Listening to more and more galons with Crystal Clear. Well, because it's a great show today, we are going to talk about one of the things that um, I see as a benefit of more galons. Yes, there are benefits because every challenge has benefits. Problems are my teachers. Having a grateful day here on Y Day in Atlanta. The power is out at Freedom House, and it is estimated to be out until November 1st. Y'all, I'm going pioneer style. That's right. The gift of 2020 keeps on giving. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, thanks for listening, you guys. Um, one of the things that I think is a benefit of Morgulons is uh, just how many things I have learned uh, about different topics that I would have never learned about if it hadn't been for Morgulons striking me down this summer. Um, yeah, entomology, not previously a topic of interest to me, but does that make it any less of a fascinating subject? Hell no. This shit is fascinating, y'all. The animal kingdom down to the very smallest creature. You know, when it comes to Morgulons, I don't know. I'm definitely not convinced that insects are even involved. Sometimes it seems like they are. I'm not sure. As um, Voltaire, one of my favorite writers, said, I assert nothing. I content myself with believing that more is possible than people think. And that really and truly does describe the way that I feel about Morgulons. And because of this uncertainty, I continue to investigate. And as I investigate, I learn all kinds of things. And I think that, um, you know, learning is just one of the great joys and gifts of um, being alive and having these wonderful human being brains that we were given by the creator and evolution. Because you can believe in both, and I do. Um, So let's talk about a little bug that has one of the coolest names uh, ever of any bug. It's called the Diabolical Ironclad Beetle. What a badass. This guy's tiny, but listen, I'm going to read you a little article from Science News. Uh, The title is, um, this is from October 21st, 2020. It's a recent article um, written by Maria Temming. The diabolical ironclad beetle can survive getting run over by a car. Here's how. And then they got a picture of this little guy. He looks like a little truck tire. Like that's the, that's the, um, sort of texture of his back and stuff. He's really interesting, ugly little fucker. Uh, it says microstructures in the beetle's armor make it nearly impossible to squish. The diabolical ironclad beetle looks sort of like a rock and it's almost as unbreakable. Thanks to the intricate connections between different parts of the insect's exoskeleton, this hardy beetle can withstand getting run over by a car. This guy's tougher than the toughest human being, y'all. All right, listen, 
The diabolical ironclad beetle is like a tiny tank on six legs. This insect's rugged exoskeleton is so tough that the beetle can survive getting run over by cars and many would-be predators don't stand a chance of cracking one open. Flodius diabolicus is basically nature's jawbreaker. Analyses of microscopic images, 3D printed models, and computer simulations of the beetle's armor have now revealed the secrets to its strength. Tightly interlocked and impact-absorbing structures that connect pieces of the beetle's exoskeleton help it survive enormous crushing forces, researchers report in the October 22nd Nature. Those features could inspire new, sturdier designs for things such as body armor, buildings, bridges, and vehicles. The diabolical ironclad beetle which dwells in desert regions of western North America has a distinctly hard to squish shape. Quote, unlike a stink beetle or a Namibian beetle, which is more rounded, it's low to the ground and it's flat on top, said David Kisalis, a materials scientist at the University of California, Irvine. In compression experiments, Kisalis and colleagues found that the beetle could withstand around 39,000 times its own body weight. I'm trying to imagine 39,000 crystals on my back. Ouch, y'all. I only weigh 130, but times 39,000, this beetle is tough. That would be like a person shouldering a stack of about 40 M1 Abrams battle tanks. Or that, geez. Within the diabolical, diabolical ironclad beetle's own tank-like physique, two key microscopic features help it withstand crushing forces. The first is a series of connections between the top and bottom halves of the exoskeleton. You can imagine the beetle's exoskeleton almost like two halves of a clamshell sitting on top of each other, Casalis says. Ridges along the outer edges of the top and bottom latch together. Uh, but those ridged connections have different shapes across the beetle's body. Near the front of the beetle, around its vital organs, the ridges are highly interconnected, almost like zipper teeth. Those connections are stiff and resist bending under pressure. The connective ridges near the back of the beetle, on the other hand, are not as intricately interlocked, allowing the top and bottom halves of the exoskeleton to slide past each other slightly. That flexibility helps the beetle absorb compression in a region of its body that is safer to squish. The second key feature is a rigid joint or suture. Did y'all know that we have sutures in our bodies? Yes, we do. Our skulls have tons of sutures in them. You know how when a baby's born, it's got that soft spot on the top of the head? That's because the sutures haven't closed yet. And nature is amazing. So the second key feature is a rigid joint or suture that runs the length of the beetle's back and connects its left and right sides. Interesting. A series of protrusions called blades fit together like jigsaw puzzle pieces to join the two sides. These blades contain layers of tissue glued together by proteins and are highly damage resistant. When the beetle is squashed, tiny cracks form in the protein glue between the layers of each blade. Those small healable fractures allow the blades to absorb impacts without completely snapping, explains Jesus Rivera Jesus, sorry, uh, an engineer at UC Irvine. This toughness makes the diabolical ironclad beetle pretty predator-proof. An animal might be able to make a meal out of the beetle by swallowing it whole, Casella says, but the way it's built in terms of other predation, let's say like a bird that's pecking at it or a lizard that's trying to chew on it, the exoskeleton would be really hard to crack. That hard exterior is also a nuisance for insect collectors. The diabolical ironclad beetle is notorious among entomologists for being so fantastically durable that it bends the steel pins usually used to mount insects for display, says entomologist Michael Caterino of Clemson University in South Carolina. But the basic biology of this thing is not particularly well known, he says. I found it fascinating to learn what makes the beetle so indestructible. 
Um, the possibility of using beetle-inspired designs for sturdier airplanes and other structures is intriguing, Caterino adds. And with the splendid variety of insects all over the world, who knows what other critters might someday inspire clever engineering designs. Uh, so fascinating. Just a couple things that stand out to me about this. There are so many dang insect species in the world. Did you know that like two-thirds of organisms on life, I mean, you know, on the planet that, you know, living organisms are parasites, y'all? Gonna give a little book recommend right now. There's a book called Parasite Rex. It's a nonfiction, uh, but pretty creatively written journalistic sort of uh, novel about parasites. Um, Not just, you know, I mean, parasites, not, you could consider viruses and bacteria parasites because they do technically like live off of other beings. But then again, so humans, you know, we're kind of parasites on the earth. So I'm kind of talking more like traditionally conceived parasites, like, um, you know, scabies or worms or something like that. So yeah, two thirds of all living organisms on the earth right now are parasites. And we know hardly anything about, uh, you know, two thirds of those two thirds. So, um, probably more than that. So just fascinating. I mean, you know, like I was saying earlier, I think there's a lot more than what people know. I assert nothing, but I'm pretty sure that there's plenty of room for humility and to say, Hey, we're not sure. Uh, the knee jerk reaction doesn't have to be, we're not sure you're delusional. (laughs) So that's just something to think about. To all y'all providers out there sharing that message with Morgies, please uh, sit back and humble yourself and don't humiliate us, okay? Um, here's another thing I just wanted to share. One more thing about a beetle. Y'all, I've got beetle mania today. This beetle is called the tortoise beetle, okay? This is from an article written in 2016 um, on asknature.org. Um Sorry, I don't see an author name here. I would give credit, though, if I did. Um, the exoskeleton... Y'all, y'all got to Google this one. This is the most blingin', cute little metallic gold ladybug you've ever seen in your life, and it changes color. Listen. The, um, when gazing upon the golden tortoise beetle, one may think they are observing a dewdrop on the surface of a leaf, for its metallic sheen gives off a reflective glare. One glance away, however, and one may think the beetle has disappeared to be replaced by a red lady beetle. Not to be fooled, this insect is the same one as before. Under the hard, transparent armor of the beetle is an intricate multi-layer filled with a pattern of grooves. The layers become thicker further down the layered column, a structure referred to as a chirped, quote, chirped like a bird, chirp, chirp chirped multi-layer. Moisture causes humidity to fill these grooves. When the beetle is disturbed in virtually any manner, the fluid in these grooves is displaced in the topmost parts of the multi-layer, thus revealing a deep, less reflective red color in the bottommost layer. Y'all, Google this, YouTube it, please. It's so cool. It's this cool little gold, like a little 14 karat gold beetle, and he turns red when you touch him. It's very cool. I wish I could do that. This layer manifests a wide angle diffusion, lacking the metallic properties that the gold coloring displayed. This type of morphism, that means changing your appearance in any animals in biology, morphism is being able to change uh, your appearance, is explained using the, quote, switchable mirror theory, where random porous patches provide a scattered pattern of space in which more 
moisture may be displaced. This contradicts many well-known theories where a, quote, hydraulic mechanism is used to explain color change when liquid is injected into an area as opposed to displaced out of the area. The remarkable thing about the golden tortoise beetle is that it is able to toggle between these two very different colors and shading. The full mechanism is not entirely understood, but it is certain that if it could be understood, applications in the textile and sensory areas of development could benefit greatly. Uh, the tortoise beetle Charidotella egregia, egregia, sorry, cannot pronounce that. I did take four years of Latin, but didn't help me that much, did it, y'all? The tortoise beetle is able to modify the structural color of its cuticle reversibly when disturbed by stressful external events. After uh, observations, measurements of the optical properties in the two main stable color states and scanning electron microscope and transmission electron microscope investigations, a physical mechanism is proposed to explain the color switching of this insect. It is shown that the gold coloration displayed by animals at rest arises from a chirped multi layer maintained in a perfect coherent state by the presence of humidity in the porous patches within each layer, while the red color displayed by disturbed animals results from the destruction of this um, by the expulsion of the liquid from the porous patches, turning the multilayer into a translucent slab that leads an unobstructed view of the deeper lying pigmented red substrate. This mechanism not only explains the change of hue, but also the change of scattering mode from from specular to diffuse, meaning light, specular, like on the spectrum to diffuse. Uh, we can refer to this behavior as hygrochrome. Not totally sure what that means, but I do know that hygro means uh, water, I think, in Latin. Chrome would be color, like chromatic. Um, so I'm assuming, you know, hygrochrome would be like a color made by water, like they're talking about in his shell. Just fascinating. And you notice in this one, this article too, they're talking about, well, what are the uh, industrial applications of these things we're observing in nature? You know, pretty much everything that man creates is a ripoff on the great spirit's creation, right? One of our greatest uh, technologies of all time, the computer, which allows me to cast this pod to you and do all kinds of things like get to any location because without GPS, y'all, back in the day, I would print off the verbal directions, like the written directions from map quest yes i would before i went out of my house and before there was map quest back in the dizzy i would just like stop every five minutes at the gas station and go to the clerk and say like where am i and he'd be like alabama and i'm like shit i went too far um yeah so thank god for these computers but you know all they really are is a ripoff on the human brain that's right we're kind of binary computers in a way too right Uh, Computers run on circuits that switch on and off, zero and one. Well, you know, what do you think the brain is? It's an electrochemical computer that fires neurons, uh, switching them on or off to create our human experience and everything that we are. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it? Just so many fascinating things about this creation and our existence in it. Um, You know, our Morgulons man-made? Are they nanobots? Are they genetically modified either on accident or on purpose? No clue, y'all. But I know I've seen some colorful Morgulons and sometimes I have wondered if they have an ability to, um, I don't know if it's hygrochromic, but I don't, you know, it seems like sometimes they have a way of uh, turning 
to colors to match the environment. Call me crazy, and I know a lot of you are, <laughs> but um, but there's some strange things going on with Morgulons. To me, it is not crazy to believe that there could be some unknown organism out there, since there are so many dang insects and species of all kinds of living things that we know nothing about. Even at this time, this day, with all of our computers, there are still so many things that we don't know shit about, let alone can even explain, right? Um, so keep an open mind, stay curious. Morgulons will keep you curious, and I am grateful for that. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful weekend, and stay tuned.